Wanna Vibe is a podcast and resource speaking simply about all things wellness. We want to break down each topic and start from the beginning, avoiding the assumption that everyone knows the building blocks to a particular subject. The way we see it, wellness is all-encompassing of each aspect that affects our everyday lives. In addition to our faves like fitness and nutrition, this could mean anything from relationships to careers, finances, spirituality, and so much more. We are Abby and Issa. Wanna Vibe? I'm Issa. I'm Abby. And today we have Melissa Costello, founder of Karma Chow, food freedom enthusiast, intuitive eating, weight loss the right way. We love it. Oof. Melissa, give us a little intro. Hello. Hello. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much. And yeah, I'm Melissa Costello. I've had my business now for 13 years. Wow. Yeah, I started, you know, all my body image stuff started when I was really, really young, around 12 years old. And that's kind of now why I'm doing the work I'm doing, because I just really struggled and I've, I've healed. And I know we're going to talk about that today and what my journey's been. So that's kind of the, the, the snippet. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, like I was telling Isa, I'm like so thrilled to talk about this right now, because we talk a lot about weight loss, nutrition, wellness, all of the things, body image. And Issa and I both have been kind of intermittently counting macros for Mm -hmm. me the past, I don't know, three years maybe. And I told you before we got on the phone, like I recently moved across the country and there was something, something inside of me shifted Mm -hmm. when I moved here. And I just felt called to quit counting things quit overthinking everything and really just like truly listen to my body and eat what I want and stop when I'm full. And this was something that I, this was a muscle that I didn't have before. And therefore I didn't work. I didn't work the muscle because I didn't, I didn't know how I just wasn't, I guess I just wasn't at that point in my life where I like had that trust for myself. Yes. And, um, and it's been, how long have I been here? Like two months. And I'm, I don't really believe in weighing myself, but I know my clothes are looser. Awesome. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm not really in like a weight loss mode, but I'm just in a, like, I want to just feel good mode. You know what yeah, I mean? Totally. And so I'm super hyped about this because I want to hear one, your whole story, but also for me, this came naturally. Like, how is this something that you teach people? You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. So I'm already getting ahead of myself as I tend to do. Let's <laughs> let's go back to 12-year-old Melissa and hear Absolutely. about how like how, I just want like that's just so, so shitty. It's just like such a shitty thing to hear that at and 12 so years young. old. Yeah. And now I feel like nowadays little girls are having and boys too are having body issues at 8, you know, yeah, like even younger. Yeah. And it's a lot of the part of the parents who have already experienced these issues and then it's like they notice, you know, your your child's going to be little chubby because that's just how babies are you know like how little kids are and their bodies are going to develop and change but they want to stop it before it even starts yeah and so they're like "Uh oh we're gonna put my nine-year-old on Weight Watchers now and it begins this like it plants this really negative seed so it's a it's I think it's a like a insecurity in yourself like I am about to put my mom on blast sorry ma but like my mom says to my son who's four that she's fat and so my son believes Mm. that her his grandma is fat and it's like shut up 
<laughs> don't poison my kid's brain with that talk. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So t- sorry. So we hijacked that, but tell us about, oh, about you at 12. I love it. And I love that, that what you're sharing about all this. And I, you know, I've had clients tell me that as young as the age of seven, they had someone make, you know, it's not only our parents, but it's also our peers, right? Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. One, one of my clients was telling me at the age of seven, she was climbing a tree and this little boy was at the bottom. And he said, Oh my God, your legs are as big as tree trunks. And like literally from that day forward, that one thing that was said, she took that in and made that you know, mean that her body wasn't valuable. So she dieted, did the yo-yo dieting thing her whole life and hated mm-hmm. her body, you know? And, and so for me, it kind of really started, I think, because number one, I grew up in a household that was like total chaos. My father was an alcoholic. There was constant fear, never really knowing what was going on. And I really think that food and me latching onto my body image was like the only way that I could feel in control. You know what I mean? This false sense mm-hmm. of control. And I also remember, you know, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition is was my nemesis at that time because it was back in the day when it came in the mail and my brothers would, once a year, my brothers would wait by the mailbox like, Who's going to be on the cover today? Who's we got to look at all the bodies. And it was just these beautiful women. And I watched my brother and all their friends and my father just pouring over this magazine. And as a kid, I'm taking this information in and thinking like, oh, if my body doesn't look like that, then I'm not valuable or worthy. Right. Mm -hmm. I made that decision based on what I was seeing my family and my friend and my brother's friends do men. Right. Because I want attention from men, even at a young age. So, so I took that in and that started my whole journey with just struggling with how I felt about my body. Now, mind you, I was never overweight. There was a point in my life later in my thirties when I gained 30 pounds from emotional eating. But as a kid, I was an athlete. I was never overweight. I was super flat chested. Like just, I had like a boy body and I got made fun of all the time. And that even made it worse, right? Because I thought I'll never be, you know, a girl with boobs that's voluptuous and, you know, that looks beautiful in a swimsuit. And so I had such huge body image dysmorphia and I fought with my body all the time. And what that looked like was restricting my food, over exercising. I joined a gym at age 14. I started teaching Mm -hmm. aerobics at age 16. I was out six days a week, like just the constant, I would carry my own fat-free salad dressing into like a restaurant. So I, I was going to such extremes, you know, and I never had like the real true eating disorder of anorexia or, um, the other one. Bulimia. Bulimia. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I disordered did, eating for sure. Yeah. 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 I, try it, but it never really worked for me. And so, um, but I did have this real internal battle and external battle with food and trying to control it and then taking fat burners, just hating my body. And I was full of so much shame, so much self-loathing and it just drove, you know, my whole journey. And it wasn't until probably about 10 years ago, I'm going to be 52 this month, next month. And it wasn't until about 10 years ago when I finally came to a place of feeling freedom in my body and I stopped controlling my food. And, and like what you were talking about earlier, Abby, around like more intuitive eating, tuning in. And I started working with a coach and getting help. And, um, you know, and luckily I had always been interested in health. Like that was something that I was always interested in. I mean, I grew up eating a really crappy diet, but I was also sick a lot. And so when I moved to California, I got so into plant-based eating and raw food and just this whole world opened up to me. And that really changed a lot 
of my relationship with food, but I still was emotional eating. So I had a lot of stuff to work with, you know, yeah. and I had a lot of healing that I needed to do. And that's really why I do the work now. Cause I've been through it. I'm out the other side and I know I can help people, you know, transform that for themselves. It's interesting that you grew up with addiction in your family. I struggled with addiction a few years ago. Um, I'm grateful that I'm clean now. And, but that's why in my notes I, or in the questions I had written, like, do you, did you feel at the time that you were struggling almost with an addiction? Because there's 100% addiction to food or an addiction to the behavior behind food relationships. I think, yeah, you know, yeah. when, I, when I see people who struggle with anorexia, bulimia, or even just over-exercising or whatever they're doing, there's chaos involved in it. And that, like you said, like the stress to control something. Like for me, I was addicted to opiates. So I would start to feel a wild sense of anxiety and then I would take something because mm-hmm. it would quell that. So like to feel like, oh, I ate something. Now I got to go work it off. Like it to, to balance it. So would you say that you were almost like addicted to it? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I used to believe in food addiction. I don't believe through the work I've been doing. I really don't believe in that anymore. I believe oh, wow. cool. that we get addicted to the feeling that it right. provides. Yes. We want to numb out. We don't want to feel, we want to just feel better. Food provides this feeling of comfort. It gives us that dopamine hit. Opioids give us the dopamine hit, right? Like it's, right. it's really about the feeling. And I believe that all addiction is really rooted in a lack of sense of ourselves and a lack of love for ourselves. Yes. You know? And so I would definitely say I had a lack of love for myself and that I used food to try to fill some unfillable hole. You know what I mean? And I just believe that so much addiction is driven through that. And, you know, we really are addicted to the feeling, right? Yeah, I think you guys both, it's interesting. I know Issa almost as well as she knows herself and she's a control freak and I'm a control (laughs) freak. And you mentioned control several times. And I think that it's a really interesting thing because I too still struggle with a shopping addiction. I'm not even going to lie and pretend like I'm totally past it, but um, it's interesting when you, when you talk about something like food or like shopping Mm -hmm. and the feeling you get, because it's not, it's not bad in quotes, right? Like you have to eat, you have to buy clothes. You have to, you know, do those things. Where is the line between using this as a coping mechanism and using it in a healthy way. Like that's a really interesting dichotomy to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would, I feel like the struggle when you're so young and you don't have that brain development yet to recognize the difference is what really fucks us up as adults. Right. Totally. Totally. And I, even, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say, I really believe in nourishing comfort over numbing comfort, right? So a lot of us go to that numbing comfort, the one that really just kind of quells our feelings versus turning towards our feelings or actually doing something that's actually good for us, right? Instead of getting online and shopping or binge watching Netflix, right? Actually doing something that nourishes our soul on a deeper level, right? Those things are temporary. They, They like, they're gone. We get the hit and then it's gone. And then we need to do it again to get the hit. Right. And, and what like do I a little learned, more. Yeah. yeah. Do more. Yeah. I was just going to say and what yeah. I've learned is like, I don't need to get the hit anymore. I need to just be grounded in myself and trust myself and really show up and be intentional about the way I live. You know? Mm, yeah. So yeah. what was the, what was the breaking point for you that, that, and how long, how long were you living like this yeah. before you finally felt like 
I need to make a change. Yeah. So I think I knew like my whole life, luckily I've been into personal growth since I was 19 years old. Wow. Uh, I picked up my first Wayne Dyer book at 19 and you know, I've been into personal growth and I knew that I was struggling, but I didn't really know how to get the help I needed. Right. I've been in therapy. I've been, I've done, you know, I've, I, I got all the diet books. I did like, I was constantly searching for the next thing, the thing that was going to fix me. Right. Mm. And what I realized is that I didn't need to be fixed. Mm. Right. I just needed to get support and learn and needed to learn how to heal. And so really the breaking point for me after so many years of struggling was in my late thirties. And I went through Uh, my spiritual psychology master's program. And we did so much inner child healing. Mm. And that was when things really turned the corner for me. And I remember like one night I had a huge binge and I called up one of my friends from the school and I was just like, I'm so sick of myself. I feel disgusting. I'm self-loathing. And she said, listen to me, you know, like, Number one, you're being so self-centered right now. <laughs> and that was a big wake-up call because yeah. the only stuff we have with food is so self-centered, right? It's yeah. like, we're the center of the universe. So all we do is think about our food and bodies all the time, you know? And she was like, get up off the couch, go outside, be of service, and call someone and get help. Like, get a coach, get some kind of help, you know? Yeah. And so in my uh, master's program in spiritual psychology, we had um, therapists there and coaches there. So I I spoke to someone and I started getting help more specifically for this thing that I was struggling with. And so, you know, and it it took about two years of me really immersing myself in this whole healing process of looking at where did this start? Why do I do this? How do I feel about this? You know, how do I feel about myself? And so much of it was rooted in a deep sense of not feeling worthy, feeling completely broken and feeling completely alone in the world. So that's kind of what I what I uncovered and then what I had to learn to work with. Through, while you were struggling, how would you say that you spoke to yourself then? Oh. What was like that inner monologue horrible. for you? Like, you're fat, you're ugly, you're disgusting, no one's ever gonna love you. Like, mm-hmm. oh, look at your legs, look at, like everything. I just picked myself apart constantly. Right. And I was so hard on myself. Number one, I'm a a double Virgo with five other planets in Virgo. So self-critical to all hell, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's one of Virgo's traits is criticism, self-criticism, being very critical. And so like, you know, I know it also came from other stuff, but I was super, super self-critical. I, I can't tell you how many times I heard people say, you're so freaking hard on yourself. And there was one time when a friend of mine said it and I was like, God, that sucks that she feels that way around me. Like that she feels like I'm so hard on myself that she can't feel good about herself, you oh, know? Wow. So like, that was a big wake up call for me, you know? And then another friend, when we went out to eat once saying like, you're such a pain in the ass to go out to eat with because everything has to be so controlled and you can't eat this and you can't eat that. And there's no freedom, you know? Mm. And so like, I've had some really good moments of tough love in my life, yeah. you know, to help me. And luckily I'm an aware person and I, but I had to really learn how to shift my, reframe my negative thinking and to really yeah. work with it. That's super important because not a lot of people are aware of themselves or right. they'll be aware of their behaviors and then root themselves in that yeah. and yeah. be like, I'm just stubborn and this is how I am or this is what I do. So to be able to feel that sense of, like you said, like you're super self-aware. So to feel like, oh gosh, I don't want to make you feel that way when you're around me. How can I fix this, but do it for the better and not like keep it a secret, you know, like not fix myself and still do the tendencies under, you know, like behind closed doors. Right. That's really awesome. Yeah. In your opinion, because I don't think that there is a right 
answer to this question, but do you think that changing your relationship with food starts with the food or does it start with your self respect and self image? You know what I mean? Like, it seems to me like it's a chicken or the egg kind of thing. No, it starts, it starts within the food Mm. is just a symptom of something deeper. Like the alcohol is just a symptom of something deeper. So it's all all about the internal world, right? Like our, our inner game really, and really working with what needs to be healed. What's here that needs to be healed. And that's scary for a lot of people to look at that. And, you know, I've had clients say to me, like, I don't have any big trauma from my childhood that I can remember that that would cause me to to do this with my body or do this with food. And I say, sometimes it's, it's the little teas, it's the little totally. teas, right, that yeah. add up and that just cause us, you know, to create these belief systems about ourselves that, that drive our lives, you know, like we're all like wounded children walking around in adult bodies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, have a, I have a girlfriend of mine who says, every time I see this one person, I will, uh, she had, she was never to me was never overweight. Like it was never, but this, guy had said to her, I guess like had teased her and said something about her weight. And to this day, like that was back in high school to this day, she'll say, she'll see them and say, well, remember when you used to talk about me like this? Cause she's like, absolutely not overweight, beautiful, gorgeous. And, uh, the, the guy will say to her like, why do you always bring that up to me? And wow. she and I discussed that. And I'm like, because it was such a painful time, like right. for you, for you to feel like I'm fine, which she was, like I'm normal and, a, and I'm in high school and living my best life. And um, for somebody to say that to you and shock you into being like, wait, what? And make you look in, like, look at yourself and be like, am I? Yeah. And that's or such a awful blow. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It's such a big blow to like, just like your heart, you know, at all. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We all, I think, have those defining moments in our lives 100%. where, and, and it, oh, it, that always triggers me because I'm like, whose life have I affected in a way like that where I don't even remember and it's shaped who they are and how do I like there's just I just feel like it's just we're human we make mistakes we do dumb shit especially as kids when you don't think things through but like (laughs) it's just it's mind-blowing how something so small to us can be so significant to somebody else and that's something that at least as adults we can kind of carry with us a little bit and be a little bit more considerate about even the, I feel like the thoughts that we have, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I just feel like sometimes we, if we can just re, if we catch ourselves thinking a certain way or judging somebody, why, why are you judging? That right. And why do I care? Exactly. Right. 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 And I have this, this back and forth with my husband, with Jesse all the time. Like sometimes I'll hear him talk and it's, and it triggers me because I know it's a behavior that I have. Right. Like yeah. that's why it bothers me. Got it. You got it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so yeah. I, I'll say to him, I'm like, who cares? Who cares? Who cares how this person is raising their kid? It's not our kid. Mm-hmm. What difference does it make to me? You know, right. what difference does it make to me about, you know, how, how this per- what outfit this person is wearing? It doesn't, it doesn't affect me at all. Um, yeah, so, I think, can I speak to that? Just really quickly? Yeah, please. Yeah. I think so. What I've come to learn is that, any judgment is just a projection of our fears, right? Like we're projecting our fears onto other people by judging them, right? So maybe your husband's scared of being a bad parent or, right? Or he had something, 
you know, that happened to him that that he just has this judgment around bad parents. So it's just these fears that we're projecting. Is anybody not scared of being a bad parent? I'm I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm I'm not not sure that's a thing. I will never be one. So I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) It's like it's like the worst. It's the best worst thing ever. It's just like you're in a constant state of anxiety all the time because you but never know. Gonna be a bad parent. Everybody's going to be a bad parent. It's so true. Right. You know, it's like so you, true. It just no is. kid is going to grow up unscathed. And That's even with, and even without children, like I, don't, I personally do not. And I worry constantly. And I'll talk to Abby about. It. I'm like, I'm worried about being a bad friend. When I like, how am I being a good friend to this person? When I say this, should I not say this? Like, or oh, I had this conversation with them, and then I'll think about it. There's times with Abby where I'm like when I said this before, what I really meant was X, Y, and Z. And she's like, yeah. I didn't even think about that, but it had been eating me alive for two days. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's all like just, Crazy. it really, really is. Um, so talking, we want to talk about like your business. Yeah. So when did you, like, how did you shift from being a student yes. to being a teacher? Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. So I, I think I was doing both simultaneously the whole time. Right. Oh, so yeah. Um, so for me first it started, so I didn't, I didn't start my business until I was in my late thirties. I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and work for myself. And I had done every freaking job in the world. My friends, like, I feel like you've had nine lives because you've done everything. <laughs> I was a bartender in LBI for 10 years. Oh my gosh. Oh, Jersey Shore. You guys will know LBI. So, um, so I did that. I worked in the restaurant industry. I worked in the production industry when I moved to LA, I, you know, I did everything and nothing ever fulfilled me. And I just mm-hmm. felt like I was chasing this thing all the time. Like I need to find my passion. And one thing that I was so passionate about was health and cooking. And so I started working with a business coach and this was years ago. And she was just like, well, if you don't want to work in a restaurant, cause I was done with that. She was like, why don't you be a private chef? Like everybody loves your food. You throw these huge dinner parties. People just tell you to be a caterer, which I didn't want to do. And so I started, I started private chefing. And my first client was Tony Horton, who created P90X. So, <laughs> yeah, he was my very first client. He was a friend of mine who I met through a mutual friend. We had just started becoming to know each other. We both lived in LA. And he was like, I can't, I, I'm, you know, this was before he was who he is. And he was like, I can't afford a chef, you know, it's too luxurious. And then he threw a dinner party and he was like, listen, I'm having a dinner party, a small one. Can you come cook? And so I went and cooked. And that night he hired me. He was like, I want you to cook my food for me because he was eating like Amy's frozen dinner. Total bachelor, <laughs> oh right? my gosh. So that turned into then me getting my nutrition certification so that I could really learn more about, you know, I was always interested in nutrition. And so then that morphed into me traveling around the world with him and educating and he would t- teach fitness camps. And so I worked with him for a long time and it was the best time of my life. Like he's such an incredible human being. That's and awesome. Yeah. We're still really close to this day. Um, and then, you know, my business was kind of, once I mo- I had to leave LA, I was just done. I had been there 13 years and I knew my business was going to be transforming. So I moved up to Santa Barbara. And um, at that time I had started like really thinking about, I want to serve in a different way. You know, I want to um, serve people more deeply. And I want to just like stop with this dieting stuff. You know, I created at least cleanses and people were doing really great on them, but it kept coming back to, I get off track. I can't right? like, it's just all the same conversation that happens around dieting. And I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. Yeah. And so 
um, through my own healing journey, then I started to work more deeply with people around the psychology of what we do with food, what we do with emotional eating, all that stuff. And that, and that happened because I also went into the spiritual psychology program. I got trained there. I learned a lot about myself and then working with my coach really helped me to coach in this more deep way with people. And so that's kind of how it all morphed. So my business has really morphed over the years and I just feel like I keep serving deeper and deeper and helping people, you know, in that way. Yeah. And on that note, I mean, you have a shit ton of certifications, <laughs> nutritionist, wellness coach, spiritual psychology counselor. So yeah. do you kind of consider yourself like a, a forever student? Are you like just always looking to expand your yes. knowledge base and therefore what you're able to offer the people that work with you? Yeah. So my next offering, my next certification is equine therapist. So that's my Whoa, next. Yes. That's so cool. I was that's, just, so I was just talking to my fiance. Uh, we, got, we got engaged last week. So I'm very excited. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. But I was just talking to him. We're going away to Vermont, Panton, oh. Vermont, I guess. And I had said to him, I'm like, are you open to doing equine therapy? Because yes. they have like a thing that they're doing. And I was like, I know it's like kind of different, but I'm, are you in, he's like, hell yeah, like, let's do it. Cause the, it's so nice. They're like, we'll be six feet away from you, but you can touch the horses and like talk you to can, them. So you can hug and the horses. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like a nice experience. So that's so, so cool that you're doing that. Yes. Yeah. So this where did that come from? So I have a massive love for animals, massive, massive. I've always been connected to horses. I've spent I, when I was growing up, we were we didn't have a lot of money, but my mother was was a vet technic technician, mm. and her boss, who was the veterinarian who owned the place, his daughter showed horses, and we used to go to her shows all the time. And I was just like, wow. I was so enamored by her and enamored by the horses. And over the years, I kind of dabbled in trail riding, and but I never owned a horse or never really took lessons or anything. And when I moved to California specifically Santa Barbara, I got more involved because horses are everywhere here. And w one of my biggest dreams in my life was to live on the coast where there's horses. And I, I don't know how I made that happen, but I'm here. <laughs> you spoke it into existence. Yes. Yeah. So like, you know, the, the next level for me, I, I like to ride horses. I don't love it. I love being in their presence. I love being connected to them. I've held a couple workshops. There's a woman in Malibu who's an equine therapist. Her and I did a mini retreat together called Women, Food, and Horses. It was amazing. And so now I've met someone recently up here who's an equine therapist while I'm still getting certified. And we're going to be, once we're allowed to get together with people, we're going to be doing some workshops and retreats as well. So it's the next level because I feel like for me, the in-person connection is the most powerful. When you go on retreat with people, there's magic, right? Totally. And when women come together in that way and support each other and they're vulnerable, there's so much to that. And so you bring the horse in, which is a whole other level of alignment and connection and just heart, right? And so that's kind of like the next, the next phase I'm going into in addition to everything I'm doing now. This is wow. very, I'm about to say something that sounds like very corny. My heart feels so excited for you. Like oh, you're talking and I'm like, you. yes, like this is thank so cool. It's not sounds, corny at all. <laughs> it just sounds like, I, I can feel how excited and like passionate you are. And I'm like, yes, like get level up, you know, like you're going to the next one. That's so exciting. That's so cool. Peppers. Yeah, Don't there's, be rude. That's, Don't be rude. That's, that's Dexter. He's oftentimes very rude. 
he just he just is mad that he's not a host. Come here, Dex. Or he's going upstairs, so he's probably gonna pop off. Um, so starting your business, or I guess starting this phase of your business. Yeah. Um, because I feel like from from what you're telling me, it was sort of like a learn as you go like a yeah. <laughs> organic a organic evolution if you will whereas it sounds like this phase that you're in now was a little bit more strategic yeah. so was this um this step like easier or more difficult than you thought what did it what did the reality versus the expectation look like I got to tell you, this has been brewing inside of me for over two years. So if that gives you any, you know, inclination of how it's been, it's been something that I've been scared to do and also feeling a little bit like, am I capable, right? Just like diving into this deeper pool. And um, so it's been hard. It's been hard. I, I, I can't lie about it. And and now I now my business coach who I work with has really she was like, listen, Melissa, you've been talking about this for over a year and a half. And she's like, I'm tired of hearing about it. And everybody in this group is tired of hearing about it. So you need to start taking action. And so she really gave me, I'm telling you, it takes tough love to get me in action. <laughs> so she really but gave But you me, respond to it. So I do. There you <laughs> go. Awesome kick in my pants. And um, <laughs> so I'm really excited. And my Facebook group, uh, my new Facebook group is going to be called Reclaim Your Wild. It's all about really stepping into their real authentic truth, their deep hearts, desires, all of that. And so I'm really excited for that next level. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been hard and scary. And I think it's mostly because I doubt myself. That's really where I get the most caught up. You know what I right. mean? Cause it's like, I'm adding this other element in that is not me. Like I can't control it. And it's, it, it, you know, it's capable of doing anything. And what if it doesn't work or show up or right. So anyway, so that's kind of been the experience that I've been having with it, but I'm super excited about it. And I'm actually moving forward and things are falling into place. Like I met this woman who's just randomly, who's an Igala therapist, which is a type of equine therapy. She has a ranch like nine miles away from me. She's got the horses. She's like, oh my God, I'm so ready. Like, let's do something well, together. When it's and meant to happen. I was right? going to say, that's divine. That's divine intervention. Total divine, right there. total divine. And I'm actually taking riding lessons from her. She teaches wow. lessons. And, and I'm doing that more for my sanity. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, doing this time. So awesome. your, your current program now, like how would you say it kind of functions, if you will? Yeah. Do you, would you say it's a baby steps, let's work our way? Or is it like, dive in the deep end, baby, like we're going all in? (laughs) Both and neither, right? Like both at the same, both, but maybe not at the same time, right? So um, I have to meet people where they are, but also most of my clients are ready for change, right? They're ready. Like they've been struggling for so long. They've been doing the dieting thing off and off, off and on most of their lives. They're at a point where they're so resigned, but they also know that they can't do it that way anymore. Right. Resigned and hopeful. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So when they come to me, they're really ready to do it a different way, even though they don't fully trust it yet, you know? So I have to really approach it in small steps and we really just start to look at their overall lifestyle first and then i start to dive into as we get to know one another as we go through the process more into their beliefs the places they get stuck what stops them from moving forward kind of doing that that deeper work and so um 
it's really never about the food. I mean, yeah. I would say 2% of the conversation is about food, <laughs> yeah. you know, because it's really about the behaviors, the belief systems and all that. How do you establish that trust? I feel like there's a, it's with coaches and, and, and coaching in quotes, right. In general is like, is such a saturated market. And there's so few coaches that really elicit trust in their clients. And if you don't trust your coach, what are you fucking doing? So like, what are, what are you, what are you doing to establish that connection with your clients where they're able to be honest with you about their faults and therefore you can be a mirror to them? Yeah. You know, it's a great question. I share everything. I, I share all of my struggle. I share all of my vulnerability. I share all of my imperfections. And that's, I, you know, when people come to me, that they say, I feel like I know you because I've done so many videos and trainings and lives where I really share what my day-to-day struggles are and what I still struggle with and what my approach is and all that. So I really put it out there just because I know that if I do that, it gives permission to others to do that, right? To mm. show up more vulnerably in their lives and to really that helps us heal, you know, on a deeper level. And I just feel like we have to do that for our own benefit and for the benefit of others, you know? And so I think that that really builds a lot of the trust with my clients, Um, just knowing that, and they can relate, you know, like we have similar stories and they can relate to my story and I can relate to theirs, you know? Would you say as a recipient and like of, um, as someone who takes tough love and turns it into something better, would you say that you also turn it around like on your clients? Are you a little tough on them? Sometimes if they need it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Because this, this work is, it's hard because it brings up all the shame, all the doubt. It brings up all the self-loathing, right? We need food to survive. And, and there's people who don't understand why they struggle so much with it and why they can't just be normal around food. Right. And so there's so much shame around that about not just being able to, you know, just eat and enjoy it. And most of my clients know how to eat healthy. They like, that's not the problem. It's, it's the emotional eating, the binge eating, the using food to numb out, right? Their, their hatred for their body, their constant, they've spent years yo-yo dieting. So they have so much shame around gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, right? All of that stuff. And so it goes deep, you know, and I, I really want to meet people where they are, but I also want them to transform. And so one of my clients said to me, you know, we got, we got off a session and she said, um, I felt like, I felt like you were pointing out everything I did wrong, which I absolutely was not doing, but that's, that's the filter she was taking it into. Yes. That's her belief about herself is that she does everything wrong. And I so thanked her for saying that. And I just said, well, listen, you know, I want you to say how you're feeling in the moment. So then I can meet you where you are. So you don't get off a session going that fucking sucked. And I don't want to coach with Mm -hmm. you anymore. Right. And we've had a breakthrough since then. You know what I mean? So it's also teaching them how to stand up for themselves and and set boundaries. Cause a lot of women don't know how to do that. And that's why they turn to food, right? Because they're so depleted and exhausted and resentful that the food's like the the safe place they can go. It's like the comforting place, you know? And also as a coach, sometimes you just got to call people out. Totally. That's what coaches are for, right? Exactly. Like, why'd you hire me? (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's what people expect in some ways, you know, but you can also hit a really raw nerve for a lot of people. 
sometimes they're not ready for that, you know? Right. And so I have to be, I have to be really sensitive to that. And that's something I'm, I'm pretty good at and tuned into, you know? And so, um, but I really want them to have the transformation and, and it, there's so many layers to it. You know, it's like, it's like peeling that onion. I know that's kind of cliche, but it is peeling that onion, you know? Absolutely. Is yeah. there like normally a, a time frame that you work with with people, and yeah. is there like a sweet spot that people normally? Yeah, what does that look like? Well, it's different for everyone. So I start with four month commitment up front, right? The four months allows us together to lay a foundation to really get to know one another, and for me to really understand them. A lot of my clients will continue on after that. Some stay with me for years. Some. Wow stay with me for like six months or eight months. It just depends on where they are. Some after four months are like, wow, I'm, I got this. Like, I feel good. And then maybe they'll come back around a year later and say, Hey, I need a little tune up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I always offer that to my clients and there's tons of support inside my Facebook group where they know they can go if they're feeling challenged or if they're, you know, have questions or they feel stuck or whatever. And so I think it's a lifelong journey to be honest. Like, I don't think the work ever ends because I know that I'm always doing it for myself, you know, and although I'm in, in a much different place around food and with my body, I'm not perfect. Like I still have struggles at times, you know, especially like I'm getting older and I'm like, Oh, my skin's sagging. And you know, there's stuff. Then it's like the other level of that, of like the aging, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I think it's always this constant thing that we have to really stay connected to and how we treat ourselves and respect ourselves, you know? Absolutely. When you have a client first day, haven't really talked too much. What does that look like for you? Yeah. First day I go through their, their flow of the day. What does their day look like? What are the routines? What do they, when do they go to bed? When do they wake up? What's their exercise routine? What do they do for self-care? I go through all of it. What, what's with their children? How are they making food? What are they like? What are they doing? When are they stuck? When are the hardest times of the day for them? When do they emotionally eat? So we go through, literally, I go through their kind of overall lifestyle to, to just get an idea of how do they live their day-to-day life? Because that tells me a lot about a person. Do you have a morning routine? Do you have an evening routine? If not, your life probably feels a little chaotic, right? And all over the place. Are you able to set boundaries and ask for space and time for yourself, even if you have children, right? And so it's really about, you know, us kind of looking at all of those pieces and then also understanding like, where's the biggest place that they get stuck with food? Because that gives me insight into what they really need in their lives, right? If it's, if they're emotional eating all the time out of stress or overwhelm, then that tells me they need to possibly manage their time better, give themselves more self-care, right? Take space away. So it's, you know, there's different processes to it, but it's once I can learn about how they're living their lives and what thoughts are going through their heads, then I can start to form a plan for them, you know? I think even just knowing somebody's just 24 hours, is very telling of oh, yeah, you know totally. like what they do, how they think. Um, you know, I know some people that have discussed with me. So Abby and I have had pretty similar weight loss journeys. I would say mm-hmm. she and I have lost together what like one twenty respectively together, like wow. each of us. And, um, and so we have, or combined, I should say, and so when we hear other people's stories of like, oh, like, especially like if somebody has a child, like, well, I can't stop snacking. Uh, like when I, I eat when the child eats or whatever. And, um, or like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just in a bad mood. So I ate X, Y, and Z. My first thing now, especially since I'm definitely, definitely not perfect. And, um, but I'm also like, 
well, I think you just, you know better. Like now you're at a point where you're an adult and you know better. So like when you're snacking at your child's snacks for the four snacks that you give them in between now breakfast and dinner, you know, maybe just pick one snack that you like and prefer over the other four, you know? So it's just, it's very telling of like how people discuss and talk and their emotions during the day. Like I feel a little better in the morning, maybe like I have a little more zhuzh in the morning and then toward the end of the night, I get a little sad or whatever it is. And then you can like kind of pick it down, uh, break it down for them. Yeah. The problem is, is that most people know better, but do they, will they do better? And what stops them from doing better? That's really right. That, like I said, most of my clients come to me, they know about eating healthy. There's so much freaking information out there, right? Like none of us should not know about healthy eating. You know what I mean? And so, but what does that mean for an individual and someone who's been dieting and restricting themselves their whole lives and then healthy eating feels like they're going to be restricted. And so they go the whole, whole other realm, right? The opposite, which is the pendulum swing to the other side. Yeah. And so even though they know better, they're not able to do better because there's something bigger standing in the way of just choosing one snack over four, right? right. There's something much bigger standing in the way. And that's our limiting beliefs, like what we believe about ourselves and how we treat ourselves, you know? Yeah. And I think we, Oh, sorry. You go. I think I was, I was going to say, I think we place a lot of our responsibility onto the plates of others so that we don't have to necessarily deal with it. And I think a lot of people that are unhappy think that there's a quick fix out there that's going to make them feel whole again. And it becomes a, I'll be happy when type of situation. I'll be happy when I lose weight. And then also that, that becomes like, Oh, well this like intermittent fasting is going to help me lose weight. Counting macros is going to help me lose weight. Doing the South beach diet is going to help me lose weight. Keto is going to help me lose weight. You know what I mean? It just becomes this like whole thing where you're just chasing after something that it doesn't really exist. And then if, even if you get there, all of a sudden it's like, I could do better. Yeah. You know, I had experienced recently actually that someone said to me, like, I'll put it out there. I'm 150 pounds. I'm very proud of myself. I've worked really hard. I lost 10 pounds during COVID and I was, I'm excited. And then I was told the other day, you know, for the amount that you work out, you should really be thinner. Oh. And I was like, you. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, well, I'm not trying. And the person who was telling me this will not eat and then lose weight. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm really not trying to restrict my dieting to the point that I'm suffering, you know, like you are. Cause yeah. I was upset, obviously. So like, I'm like trying to go back at this person. And so, but I thought about it and it didn't like, for the first time, it didn't make me feel less than because I know that like, I work out, work out hard. I, I eat well, I like to eat. And then I'm like, do I know that I could do a little better? Sure. Will I eventually, but like, I got to get to that point of like, all right. And now I'm ready to, yeah, you know, kickstart, but it's really crazy. Like what people say and like how yeah. Yeah. you get and to that time. Yeah. And it sounds like that's not the path you're on anymore. Right. But most of the majority of the, of the world, right? Not the world, but the majority of people, especially in the U S and a lot of other countries are on diets. You know what I mean? And over 97% of women like dislike their bodies or hated their bodies at one point in their lives. And so 
the diet industry is a $70 billion industry, right? And it's, it is ingrained in our brains. Like we were raised on it. We, you know, and it's, it's just there. And so it's so hard to untangle all of that. And a lot of us live by that mantra of like, well, if you were eating better, you could lose weight. If you were working out more, you can lose weight, but it's so individual, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's also like, well, do I care enough about that? Like, do I want to restrict myself or do I want to be able to enjoy and still work out to be healthy? Right. And so I just, yeah, I mean, I really encourage my clients to stop talking about their bodies, stop talking about food, like don't discuss it with anyone, right? It's about your own personal journey and stop oh. talking about your weight and your body. And because it's nobody's business, right? Right. right. And, yeah. Do you guys know Tabitha Brown on uh, Instagram? No. She, no. Okay. So, so familiar. Yes, I do know. I do know who She's she is. Yes, and she is the coolest, most awesome, but she always yep. says, honey, that's your business. Whatever you do, that's your business, right? Yep. It's all about like, that's your business. And don't, you know, like all this food and dieting stuff, like stop talking about it with people because it just keeps the cycle going. Right. And it's this cycle that most people will never get off, unfortunately. And I also think what a difference too, when you're doing the work internally Yes, and you know that you're either internally, externally, if you know that you're working out, if you know that you're eating well, if you know you're not binge eating, if you know you're working on your control, like, you know, flexing those muscles of like self-acceptance and self-love when somebody approaches you with these wild, you know, rude ass things that they say to you, you're able to just be like, okay, like this is a you thing and not a me thing, but it takes time to get to that place of, of being, you know, like of even just knowing, for example, uh, for example, and I'll say this quickly. Um, I remember when I first started losing weight and I was doing it for my friend's wedding, but like as a positive way, not like I got to lose weight for her wedding. It was like a motivation for me in a loving way. Like I was like, Oh, I have a good reason, you know? And we went to the dress fitting and I was not the dress size that I had wanted to be. And for the first time I wasn't like destroyed. I was like, well, I know that I'm trying and I, I know I'll get there eventually. I had never spoken to like to myself like that in a billion dreams. Amazing. And I was like, this is what I always want to feel like, that I'm always looking to get better and that I know that I'm doing what I have to do. And I was in therapy. I still am. We're big advocates for therapy here on One of Vibe. Me too. You know, so like, or we coaching, were, therapy or coaching. Yeah, or coaching, therapy, whatever it takes, yoga, whatever it takes yeah. for you to find your center. doesn't necessarily have to be that, you know, running, whatever, but yeah. something that makes you find peace and like satisfaction and confidence in yourself, then that'll be able to carry over to everything else. And you won't tolerate anybody that's mistreating you or speaking to you in a negative way. Right. Right. Yeah. It's really about building that self-respect. Right. And, and so many people use food to punish themselves and they, right. you know, punish their bodies and yeah, this, this whole, like, you know, people talking about, you know, what, what we're eating and how much weight we're losing. And, you know, you, you brought up goals before, right. And like setting these weight loss goals and it's like, well, then what, Oh, you reached the goal. It's like a singular accomplishment. Then what do you have to do to stay there? Right. Versus yeah, or it's not enough. Yeah. Or like, how do I just live my life in the day to day so that I feel good? Right. It's like, it's about the moment and the day to day and being present. There's a little secret that not a lot of people know. And that is you're never going to make the whole world happy. No. And it's not your fucking job to make the whole world happy. No. It's your job to make you happy. And if you're happy, that's enough. It doesn't fucking matter. But guess what? Everybody has a different idea of yeah. what 
beautiful is, of what perfect is, yeah. of what their their ideal is. And so like the whole striving to be thinner, more muscular, more voluptuous, have bigger boobs. I also am being a hypocrite right now, but the whole thing is, is like, it doesn't exist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it, we're chasing something that doesn't exist. And I feel like we're, society is, our society is at this really pivotal moment where self-love and um, quote unquote real bodies, right, are starting to become a mainstream thing. They're starting to become accepted. Yeah. However, we also have at the same time social media, which is making us all think that we're supposed to look like Kylie Jenner at 17. Right. So it's like a weird, like it's going to be really interesting to see how this younger generation grows up and how this affects our mentality long-term because it really can like filters and Facetune and all of these things. Nothing is real, but, but we have this, we, and we know in our brains that it is, and yet we still use it as a weapon. It's bizarre. Yeah. Well, it's our, our ego. That's what our ego attaches onto, right? Comparison. The ego is always in survival mode. It's always looking to like, you know, compare and judge. And that's what the ego does. That's its job. Mm -hmm. Right. So we have to know that like where it's coming from and just know that it's not real. Right. And so, yeah, because, because we all go into that, we can all go into compare despair, but it's like, well, how can I even compare myself to someone I don't even know? Right. Right. You know, and like, as I'm getting older, I'm like, oh man, all the women my age are getting Botox and they're doing all these things and they don't have any lines in their forehead. I'm like, oh shit, I have all these lines. And then I'm like, okay, I need to stop. Like, it doesn't matter. It just means I am who I am, you know? And I just have to really stay true to that, right? Because that's what's important is that I stay true to myself. Absolutely. When you're with a client, what would you say is like your go-to, like what is a mantra that you believe that like is deeply rooted in you that you like stick to? And you're just like, this is what I'm going to impart. I'm not failing, I'm learning. That's one. I'm not failing, I'm learning. I'm not failing, I'm learning. I love that. That's one. Um, you know, and then I think, gosh, there's probably so many that I can't even tap into right now, but I think a lot of, like a lot of my clients always feel like a failure when they start working with me. Right. Right. Will I ever be able to do this? Will I ever, you know, conquer this? And it's just, it's, I just tell them it's a learning process. Like you can't fail. It's impossible, you know? And I think our relationship to failure is really detrimental to us instead of us seeing it as this is an opportunity. We see it as some, we make it mean something about us, you know, that we're a failure, right. That we can't do it, but ultimately it's the best. It's how we learn, right. It's how we grow. And there's always opportunity in that. So yeah. Cause like, if you're not going to be able to like, you're, we're not allowed to teach ourselves or we're not able to teach ourselves everything. Right. And seeking help should not be looked at as look how badly I failed. And it, when it should be flipped around and said like, I'm struggling, but I need to fix it somehow. Can you please help me? You know, or like, where's, where can I find help and where can I grow from here? And I, I know that that feeling of failure is really scary, but to just kind of shift that thought and just say, I can't do it on my own. I need, I need another hand in this. And like, look at yourself as even strong for asking for help because that's so important. Yeah. It's about taking self-responsibility, right? Because it's so easy for us to use all the excuses or to blame other people or, oh, this is because of my childhood. And it's like, okay, yeah. And you get to be responsible for who you are now, right? And how you want to live your life now. And so, you know, I'm a big believer in just the day-to-day presence and like what you choose in the moment. And that's really where the transformation happens is what you do in the moment, you know? Absolutely. Especially with food, like what your decisions are. And so, 
um, yeah, as far as other mantras, I can't think of any right now, but <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's a ton that I just say, you know, as I'm in session, yeah. become, you know, um, but yeah, I wish I could be really, you know, snappy and come up with one right now. When you're working with a client and you're like, how do you know when it's, it's time to let the bird fly on its own. You know what I mean? Like what, what, what is, what is a successful, uh, run look like with you? Yeah. So it's, it's not, it's not about weight loss because the weight loss usually happens after they've been mm -hmm. solidifying these new habits and ways of being right. I've had clients write me a year later and go, Oh my God, 50 pounds, right. I'm down 50. Wow. Pounds. I wow. lost 15 pounds or I lost right. Whatever. And it's because they've been implementing everything that we've right. done. Right. And so yep. it's really about their routines. It's about how they're treating themselves, right? What their self-talk is. If I really feel like they've shifted their self-talk and they've shifted their routines and they're showing up for themselves in a really powerful way, that's when I'm like, yeah, go, go, go mm -hmm. do it. Right. Just keep doing this. And, um, and then, you know, there's other clients that, like I said, need to continue with me. Right. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of times in this work, people will gain weight before they lose it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they're so used to dieting and they don't trust themselves. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, I can eat anything. And they, they can go overboard, but they're going overboard anyway. You know what I mean? Right. Right. They're doing the deprivation and the pendulum swing through the other side, which is the binging, you know? So, um, it, it looks different for everyone, but it's really about me feeling like they're rooted in themselves and that they have their kind of rituals and routines down to support them, you know? Mm, absolutely. I feel like for me, like with food, I am one of those people that if it's like intuitive eating, I'm like, my inner self loves, this bitch loves cookies, you know, or like, oh, and, yeah. <laughs> but then, right. But then also I'll find myself being like, no, you can't have that. Right. So we'll, we'll swing the pendulum to the other way. No, you cannot. So then that's when I find myself wanting to binge. There's, right. been, there's been times where I'm staring at John's face and saying, I'm in the middle of a binge. Just want to let you know. And he's like, okay. Like, I don't know how to help you with that, but like, and I'll just eat and eat and eat. Right. So now, and I've always said this, how I talk to myself is, you could have this if you wanted to. Yeah. So that the control kind of gets a little really, like I still get satiated by the thought of control. Like if I wanted to have this, I could, I'm just choosing not to. So it's like and very the big key is when you're having it, that thing that's forbidden that you're not supposed to have is to fully enjoy it and not judge yourself about it. Right. Yes, because that's the hard part. part. The judgment is what that is the hard part. Yeah. And it's so crazy. Cause I actually had this shift many, many years ago. I was like obsessed with cupcakes growing up and I, but I was like, I can't eat cupcakes. They're bad. They're bad. They're bad. They're bad. Right. And at, what would I do? I'd get up in the middle of the night and binge on cupcakes. Cause my mother was a baker and this was when I was really young. Oh yeah. And so like, then I went into like full, like never having cupcakes. I didn't have them for years. You know what I mean? And then when I started doing this work and realizing like, what are the foods that I really want to eat? And then I was like, Oh, I want to have a cupcake. Right. And so I went to have one. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm really going to let myself do this. And I didn't even like it. I was like, ew, what was I right? Like, what was I moaning about all these years or so drawn yeah. to the and, stories that we create in our own heads. Right. And I did it like, because I gave myself full permission, I gave myself, I said, I'm going to really enjoy this. And I ate it. I was like, Oh, this is not even good. You know? And then I was like, I'm over it. I didn't, you know, and I, I don't right. think I've eaten a cupcake in like, I don't even know how many years and I could care less, you know, it doesn't, 
I don't care about it anymore. It and really, only, oh, I was going to ask real quick, what would you say that food freedom looks like to you now? That, what it feels like for you now? It's, it's not being controlled by food. It's knowing like in any moment I can choose what I want and not have mm. guilt about it and not wake up the next day and say, fuck, I have to start over. Or, oh mm-hmm. shit. Why did I do that? Or, oh my God, I'm such a fat pig. I ate X, Y, Z. Right. It's none of that. It's just like, look, oh, I ate a bag of chips. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Who cares? Yeah. That's what it looks like. It really does change the dynamic of like your entire life when you stop revolving. I mean, my life is never going to stop revolving around food because I love it. And so like I'm eating breakfast and thinking about what I'm going to eat for lunch. But like (laughs) I too used to be like, I, I used to love cookies. Like that's why Issa and I are friends. And like I said, since I've been kind of being more intuitive and like self-guided about what I eat. I had a bag of cookies that were delicious in a dozen cookies. It took me a month to eat them. What? Jesse goes and buys cookies literally on the weekly and he's still at night eating the cookies. And I'm like, nah, I'm all right. Yeah. Sometimes I'll have a cookie. Yeah. If we're going out to dinner, you better believe I'm having that flourless chocolate cake. Uh Uh-huh. But (laughs) do I need a cookie right now? I don't really know. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, you said something before that made me do this, which was, which was, so, if what, you don't have real a, quick, before you ask a question, Abby, just put her fingers together and like wrap them together. Like, like I'm us. tapping the tips like of my fingers evil, together. Doesn't like, like evil queen do that or something? Yes. Like, <laughs> like, or, like, or like, um, Mr. Burns from the Simpsons. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, cause you said that if you don't have a morning and a nighttime routine, your day is probably pretty chaotic. Yeah. We know I love, I live for a routine. I live for it. So I want to know what your morning and nighttime routines look like. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So first thing in the morning, I get up and I make tea and I go sit on my couch with my dog and I journal and I draw uh, cards from either the answer is simple or by Sonia Choquette or my angel cards. And then Mm. I, whatever I, so I ask a question. A lot of times it's focused around my business. Um, Or sometimes I say, what do I need to know today? And then I'll draw cards and then I'll write about them. And then sometimes I'll meditate. Sometimes I won't. It just depends. Like for me, meditation is about, I need to feel it. Otherwise it's not going to benefit me. Um, And there'll be many times where I'll just sink into it, you know, without even like, a thought. So, um, I usually spend an hour in the morning doing that, you know, and then I either take my dog out or I start my day with my clients. I don't get online or get on email until like eight 30 ish nine. Cause I get up at six. Um, some mornings I go play beach volleyball at 7am. And Ooh, so that's nice. in those mornings. That's like my meditation. That's my joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a really solid, you know, morning routine and I don't even think about it. It's just natural. Like I don't even, you know, it just happens. It's part of my day. And then in the evening, I don't have as solid of an evening routine, but I definitely don't have my phone in my bedroom. You know, that stays out on the kitchen counter. Um, you know, so I'm not in bed scrolling on social media or doing any of that stuff. I like to read before I fall asleep. So I'm always, you know, either got a good novel or, um, by the way, I have an awesome book club that I started last month. Ooh, yeah, oh, sure, it's called please. The Awakening. Um, and we read Glennon Doyle's book, um, Untamed. Oh, I heard about that. I need oh, to read that. If I hear one more person tell me about that book, I'm going to die. 
Yeah, and it, you know, that that was part of what inspired my Reclaim Your Wild. Here it is. Look at all the. Cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, incredible. So every we're going to meet every other month and we're doing a personal growth book and then we're going to do a novel, but it's all women surrounded. Like it's all going to mm. be based on women and their stories. So, um, so my evening routine is not as intentional, but I do do things that support my sleep because I can sometimes have trouble sleeping. So um, I have to be really diligent about that, you know, Mm -hmm. and take my magnesium. I take my, you know, all the stuff I need to take and I get in bed. Sometimes I make tea, but it's been some flipping hot. Um, So, (laughs) yeah. But I also the other thing in the morning, first thing, 16 ounces of water immediately. Like I keep it by my bedside. That's the very first thing to flush my system. So you're a hydrated gal. Yeah. Me well, too. I, I too. It's hard. It's hard to, during the day to remember all that stuff. For That's sure. why I got this big ass bitch because I needed to understand how much water I knew I was drinking a lot of water, but I didn't know how much water. So I drink this and then I drink a 32 ounce. Everyone who listens to this podcast already knows. You already <laughs> know. Yes. And you know, like I just taught a habit building course. And and the thing about building habits is you have to prime your environment to build habits. Right. And this is all games, atomic habits, but like you have to make it easy. So like if you have water bottles, fill them up, put them on the counter first thing in the morning, right. Have them there. So they're easy. Put them on your desk if you're working from home. Right. And just power through them throughout the day. So that they're always there staring you in the face. You got to do things. If you want to be a reader before you go to bed, right? Put your, when you wake up in the morning and make your bed, put your book on your pillow, you know, simple things to prime your environment to make it easier for you, you know? Totally. Yeah. Set yourself up for success. That's right. Make it, you, here's the thing. If, if it's not easy, we're not going to do it. (laughs) Right. 100%. That's just I was telling Isa I used to sleep in my gym clothes back in the day so that That's I wouldn't. That's so smart. Ex- <laughs> it's so people, gross, but like. <laughs> a lot of people do that though. And it's like, you have to think about it when you get up in the morning, you know? Yeah, just, just get roll, up and go. Army roll out of the bed and that's yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you could leave everyone with just one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh my gosh. The world's too big for one piece of advice. <laughs> right? sure. Pick your favorite. Um, I would say stop looking outside of yourself for answers, start turning inward, right? Because all the healing happens in the inner world. There's nothing outside of us other than maybe getting support like a coach or a therapist that can help us navigate that terrain. But the real healing and the real freedom comes from doing that inner work, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... We like to end each episode with our version of Vogue 73 questions. I don't know okay. if you're familiar. It's only five. It's only five questions. They're rapid fire. They're quick. You just go with whatever the first thing that comes to your mind is. Okay. Brene Brown does this on her podcast. I love it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Dang. She stole yeah. our idea. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe, maybe we stole hers. I don't know. It has 12 questions, I think. It's really oh. awesome. Oh, okay. well, okay. ours are, ours are silly and fun and they're not thought provoking at all. I you want to start? You want me to start? You start. Who's your celebrity crush? Oh, Hugh Jackman. Oh, Hugh. And he sings. Oh, oh I got you. <laughs> yes. He does it all. <laughs> so going off of that, what is your favorite movie? Um, oh my goodness. I would have to say Grease from my childhood. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. We did, we did hill races at the gym the other day and my coach was standing at the top doing this because we were doing park oh, sprints. Yeah, and I'm like, this is like grease lightning. Yeah. Um, and also Abby, her husband and her son were, were oh, we were. Like yeah. Oh. T-birds. Stay, yeah. Yeah. We were, we, we were grease for Halloween. It was adorable. That's so that? cute. Not last year, the year before. I was at Grace in the high in my high school play. Me too. I was Frenchie. Who were you? I was Frenchie. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> Soul sisters. <laughs> that is awesome. Um you get to pick your last meal. What is it? Oh God. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I mean, I've gotten to such a weird place with food. Vegan, gluten-free macaroni and cheese. How boring wow. is that? <laughs> That's not boring at all. Macaroni and cheese I feel like is a that's solid choice. And vegan and gluten, I feel like that's like the least boring. That's like the most difficult, if anything. I feel like you're you're about to die, so who cares about ve- vegan and gluten? Just eat the mac and cheese straight that's up. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're going on vacation, you're setting a beach or a mountain? Oh, beach for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would have guessed that. So last question, most important, our favorite, what is your vibe? What's my vibe? Hmm. Connected. Ooh. That's a good good. one. Yeah. (laughs) That's a really good one. That is so not true. (laughs) (laughs) Going sometimes. At least you're self-aware. Not my vibe. Melissa, you've been amazing. Thank you for the wonderful conversation today. I hope that we were able to um, get some gears going for some listeners. I think that we had a lot of interesting insight from you. Um, Do you want to let everyone know where they can find you and your business? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, KarmaChow.com. Karma, like good karma. Chow, like food, C-H-O-W. Had that website forever. (laughs) Um, I also have a wonderful private Facebook group called the Food Freedom Breakthrough. So that's a great place to come and get support if you struggle with food, your body, any of that stuff. That's a wonderful place. I'm all over social media. Karma Chow is my handle. So you can find me there on my website. And yeah, so that's the deal. Thank you awesome. so much. Thank you, ladies. This is awesome. This is so fun. You guys are awesome. You too.